Great to see you, those of you who are here in person, those of you who are worshiping with us online. Uh, my name's Daryl Holden, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, my privilege to be with you today, so thank you for joining with us. Um, I'm really excited about this opportunity that I have to, to speak with you for the next little bit. We're in this series here in this second month of the year that we've called Seeds, and we're talking about different seeds that God might wanna plant in your life, and how you and I can nurture those seeds and get to experience them growing and bearing fruit in our lives. And, and we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, we talked about how God might plant the seed of faith in your life and how he might plant the seed of hope in your life. And today I wanna talk with you about how he could plant the seed of love in your life and what that might look like for you and how it might be nurtured and what, what God's love bearing fruit in your life could look like. So I've been really excited in my time prepping for our time together and, and really excited that we get to do this. So thank you again for being part of this. So our little question is, you know, each week we've had a seed that we've talked about and then we've had a little statement or question to go with it. So our little question with this seed of love that God would plant in our, in our hearts is, is the question, who is my neighbor? And so to jump into this conversation that we're gonna have together, I'd like to show you where that question comes from and we're gonna, we're gonna get to nuance it a little bit as we explore these things. So the question actually comes from a conversation that Jesus was having, and it's recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. And I'd like to read through this a little bit. I'll just kind of read and make some observations and comments for us, and then, then we'll talk through um, how this might look in your life and my life. So in Luke chapter 10, I'm starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So this is a really important conversation that we're getting to listen into on this. What, what does it take to, to experience, to receive life eternal? Eternal in its duration, but also eternal in its quality. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. And so Jesus, this guy's an expert in the law, so Jesus says to him, what's written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And the guy that Jesus is talking, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. So this is how the conversation starts off. It's just like this little conversation that begins. And, and so we have, we have this, this converse between two rabbis. So Jesus is a teacher and this guy's an expert in the law. And, and this was one of those conversations that probably happened with fair regularity when two rabbis, two teachers, two experts kind of come together. They're asking each other these questions and see who could learn or who, who might have the right answer, these kinds of things. And so, so they have this little conversation and it seems to, it didn't conclude here, but it kind of seems to have wrapped up in conclusion. So just this intro to the conversation, there's a couple observations that I'd like to make for us. The first one, the guy says, like the expert in the law says, he says that, that eternal life comes from loving God with heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus affirms all of that, and so the observation that I'm making is we talk through these things is that loving God and loving my neighbor are connected. Like these, are, these things are connected. I can't do one without doing the other. 
So if, if I really genuinely love God, then that is also going to result in loving my neighbors. And you notice, like loving God with my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then loving my neighbor the same way that I love myself. So there's, there's a connection between love for God and love for other people. And then the other observation is the bar to inherit eternal life. So that's what this conversation is about. That bar is incredibly high. Because the bar, Jesus affirms it, is loving God and not just like, hey, I love him on the weekends or hey, I love him a little bit, like, hey, this, I have kind thoughts towards him. Like, loving God with, with all of your being, with your heart, soul, mind, strength, loving God with all of who you are and bringing all of that into your relationship with God. So the, so the relationship with God, peace, and loving God, like that's incredibly high, and then connected to it, because these two things are connected. Connected to it is loving your neighbor. And not just like, hey, I really like my neighbors, they're cool. Or hey, I, you know, like, I'll shove the driveway a little bit if they need some help, or we have good, we're, it is loving your neighbor the way you love yourself. And so, and so we, get this, we get this statement thrown out here in this conversation of, of what does it take to inherit eternal life? Well, it's loving God with all of who I am, like bringing all of that to the table with full force of my being and connected to that is I also have to love the people who are around me. I love the people around me the same way that I love me. And so the bar for inheriting eternal life is really high. And so in this conversation, as Jesus and this expert in the law are having this conversation, it seems to me that this conversation could go one of two ways at this moment, because they both agreed that the bar for inheriting eternal life is this incredibly high bar of loving God with all of who I am and loving my neighbor the way I love myself. So the conversation really could go one of two ways. First direction it could go is the expert in the law kind of looks at Jesus and maybe the people who are watching look like, whoa, <laughs> how, how do I do that? Like how, how could I measure up to that standard? Am I sunk, are we sunk? Like what are we gonna do? If this, is, if this is the bar for inheriting eternal life, I know me, and I know the way that I do and don't love God, and I know the way that I do and don't love my neighbor as myself. What am I gonna do? If this is what it takes to inherit eternal life, what am I gonna do? Like it could go that way, or the other way it could go is, like, hey, we've got this. <laughs> I think we've got this. Let's talk about all the ways that we've got this. And, and that's the way this conversation actually goes. So this, this teacher of the law, he, he says to Jesus, he wants to justify himself, the scripture tells us, but he wants to justify himself, so he asks Jesus the question, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Okay, so let's, let's dial in on this little word justify here. He wants, to, he wants to justify himself. So the definition of the word justify is to declare righteous. So, so he's asking this little question because he wants to declare himself to be righteous. He's turning the conversation in the direction, okay, so Jesus, let's talk about all the ways that I get this right. You, you define neighbor, let's, who's my neighbor? And let's define it in a way that we walk away from this, both of us going, yeah, we've got this. Like, we've got this, we're doing this already, way to go, us. And, and he's expecting the definition of neighbor to be 
Well, it's the people like you, and it's, it's the people that are in your circles of influence, and it's the people that, that, you know, when you love them, they love you back. It's the people who are easy for you to take connection with. It's all the stuff you're already doing, like, that's it. That's what it looks like. He's expecting this conversation. What he's expecting from this conversation is he's expecting, he's expecting for himself to say, I'm right. Like, I, I am right in my own eyes. I'm right before God. Like, I... I'm declaring myself righteous, and he's expecting Jesus to declare him to be righteous in the way that he behaves himself, and the people who happen to be listening in. Everybody's supposed to, at the end of this conversation, everybody's supposed to look at each other and say, yes, these guys are already getting it right. He was trying to declare himself to be righteous. He asked Jesus the question, who's my neighbor? And so Jesus, knowing what he's up to, Jesus tells this guy a story. So I wanna read through the story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is two days of wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Jesus asks. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this is a crafty little story that Jesus tells here to this man who's trying to justify himself in the way that he lives so that everybody's shaking their head and saying, yes, I am eligible to inherit eternal life, my love for God, my love for others, the way it plays out, Jesus tells this story that really just kind of blows the categories of thinking in time and place, even for people like you and me. And so there's a few observations that, that from this story here. So the hero of Jesus's story, and I think this is important for us to recognize, the hero of Jesus's story had really big holes in his theology. So Jesus is talking to an expert of the law, He's talking to a guy who, if you were gonna have questions about the Bible, this dude had the answers. His theology was tight. He knew his theology was tight. His theology didn't have any holes in it. And the villains in Jesus' story, the priest and the Levite, those guys, their theology was tight. Like, they knew the answers. If there was a question about God and about, like, they could give you the answer to the question. If you had an apologetics question, how does this work? Like, they knew the answer to the question. And, and the hero in this story is a Samaritan. And the Samaritan has big holes in his theology. Now, if you grew up going to Sunday school, if you heard this story as a kid, or if you heard it talked about in church days gone by, one of the things you've always heard about the Samaritans and the Jewish people, there was a lot of racial and ethnic tension there. And oftentimes, we talk about that racial and ethnic tension, and it's true. If the Jews look down on the Samaritans, and one of the things that Jesus is doing in this moment is, and it's right and it's good, he's calling out the racial bias of the Jewish people against the Samaritan people, but the other thing he's doing in the moment 
is he's challenging, he's challenging people who have their theology right and it's tight and there's no holes in it. He's letting them know, like, hey, you could know the answers and not be living it out. And I think he's also doing something for the rest of us who, who maybe don't know all the answers, who haven't quite figured some things out yet. He's setting us up so that what we get to come away from this story with is, you know what? I don't have to know all the answers in order to live in a way that loves God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I get to love my neighbor the way I love myself. My theology doesn't have to be tied. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to know everything before I can go be the kind of person that gets to receive and live in this eternal life. So the hero of Jesus' story had big holes in his theology. That's the first thing. The second thing, as I read through this, loving your neighbor and living in your comfort zone don't go together. And I am so disappointed by that. By that. As a guy who loves his comfort zone, we were in staff development stuff this week. We have a consultant come in and talking to us, and, and she was helping us talk through some communication styles and training some conflict resolution kind of stuff. And it was one of the things about like comfort is what we all pursue, but that is like we need, we need clarity. We need, and when she said about comfort is what we all pursue, I'm like, yes, me. I, I wanna be comfortable. I, I love my comfort zone. And you know what? I'm like you. We all do, it's a human tendency, we love our comfort zones. And what Jesus is doing here in this moment is he's pushing comfort zone for us. If you wanna talk about loving God and loving your, loving your neighbor the way you love yourself and inheriting eternal life, like this eternal quality of life, then we don't get to live in our comfort zone and receive what God wants to give us as we live out our love for him and love for other people. And so, so loving your neighbor and and living in your comfort zone don't go together. And I just, you know, as you read through that story, you, you heard it. He, he was on his way. The Samaritan was on his way. And, and he had to stop. And so his, his schedule got challenged. And who knows what was on the other side of his schedule. I and mean, we don't know if he's going home to his family. We don't know if he's on a business trip. Like, we don't know a lot of those different things. His, his schedule got challenged. And, and then he, like this, this guy who's hurt, and we don't know anything about the guy who's hurt, other than he's hurt and he needs help. He's, he's in the dirt and he's a bloody mess. He's been beat up and, and we don't know if the robbers are gone. But there's a lot of things that we don't know and to stop and help this guy puts him at great risk. It's, it's an uncomfortable scenario. Hey, he, he might be next. This guy might be faking it so that his buddies can come down the hills and, and get me when I stop. And, and then I'm gonna get his mess on me. And, and this is gonna be costly. I'm, leaving money behind in this innkeeper, and, and I'm gonna stop back by, he says. And so this, this idea of being able to go on about our busy, comfortable lives and, and love our neighbors the way we love ourselves, those two things, our comfort zone and loving our neighbors, they just don't, they don't go together. And then the third thing, it's, Jesus says it's not about having a neighbor, it's about being a neighbor. You know, he asked him at the end of just, of, of the three, the priest, the Levite, the guys who went to the other side of the road and, and walked on past and left this guy in his misery and the Samaritan who stopped to help, which of those, which of those three was the neighbor to him? And, and so it's not about like, do I have a neighbor, but it's about being a neighbor as we, as we lean into this conversation of what does it take to inherit eternal life and, and what does it look like to love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor the way that I love myself. 
It's, who's my neighbor? Well, it's, it's, not about, it's not about having a neighbor, it's about being a neighbor. And, and so just, like that's just a really quick surface level treatment of what Jesus is doing here, but I want you to remember this whole conversation started with the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that answer is to love God with all my being and to love my neighbor the same way that I love me. And the conversation took the turn, we got this, right? Let's talk about all the ways that we got this. And Jesus tells this story to get us thinking the other way. And, and so, so this conversation that the, the expert in the law hoped would go the route of like, hey, good for us, we are justified, we are right in God's sight. What if we turn this the other way and say, I'm supposed to love God with all my being, and I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Here's a question, how is this possible? How is this possible? Am I sunk? Like, are, are we sunk? How can we not be sunk? How do we keep from being sunk in these moments? And I think that's a really important question for us when you understand what we're being called to, to get to inherit eternal life, life that lasts forever and life that has eternal quality, dimension to it. How do we do this? And if it's on me, if it's on me to love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength, and, like if I could figure that part out, and somehow I've gotta figure out how to love you, my neighbor, the same way that I love me. How does that happen? And, and this is where we talk about seeds and how God is planting things in our lives. Because here's what you have to know. A love for God, a love for God is always a response. As human beings, you and I never go first. It's, that's not in our nature, it's not in our way. Our way is to be apathetic towards God. Our way is sometimes to be angry towards him. Our way is to be independent. We're born with a love for ourselves deep in our heart. And if we're gonna have any hope of being able to love God, he's gonna have to go first. And so he plants his kind of love in our lives. And the only hope you and I have is to receive this love that he has for us. And as we receive his love that is expressed to us, his fullest expression is in Jesus I mean, Jesus is on this earth having a conversation. He's challenging religious leaders and all of that. Like All that comes to the pinnacle for Jesus being on the earth. was He died on the cross. And God demonstrates his love for you and for me in that while we were still sinners, like while we were apathetic towards God, while we were not interested in him and we were going our own way, what he did for us, he moved towards us in love in Jesus and so he's moving towards us and he's always moving towards us in love. And so you and I have this incredible opportunity to receive his love. If we're gonna be able to love him in any way that approximates with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, all my mind, and connected to that, love my neighbor the way I love myself. I, I can only love me. That's, I, am, I am wired and I only have the capacity to love me. I do not have on my own, I do not have the capacity to love my neighbor to this level that we're being called to. And so if I'm gonna be able to love that way, it's gotta, 
It's gotta come to me, it's gotta be given to me, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a gift that God gives me that I'm receiving, that I'm saying yes to. I love this little verse, it's from Romans chapter five, verse five. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So God the Holy Spirit is given to you when you put your trust in Jesus as your savior. When you're saying yes to him and the work that he did on the cross so that, so that you could be forgiven of your sins and so that you could have the kind of life that God wants to give to you, like when you say yes to that, God's love is poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit who he gives to you. And the beautiful thing, every gift that you and I receive from God, every gift that we receive from God, is it's a gift for us, but it's not just for us. It's a gift that flows through us into the lives of the people who are around us. And so we have this tremendous opportunity to receive this love that God wants to give to us through Jesus. And as we say yes to that love, then what he does is that love flows back to him through worship and flows out of us into the lives of the people who are around us. And on top of all of that, not only are we measuring up to that opportunity like to inherit eternal life, we get to experience eternal life. And so that quality of life that you and I are, are looking for, when we look at our lives and say, I, it is falling short right now, this, this cannot be the life that this can't be all there is. Like this can't be enough, this can't be all there is. When, when we look at our lives and it's falling short in that way, it's because there's something missing in this loving God with all of our being and loving our neighbors the way we love ourselves. There is eternal quality of life in having an upward and outward focused life. You and I bend towards an inward focus but eternal life, the quality of life is found in an upward and outward focused life. And so Jesus is looking at these people and he's saying to us, eternal life, like eternal life, the quality and the quantity of life I want you to have is found and you receive my love. As you receive the love that I have for you, then you get, to, you get to return it to me and then you get to share it with the people who are around you and so as we, as we now know, because the guy, remember, we're asking this question a little differently. So as, as the guy in the story with Jesus, the expert in the law, he's wanting to justify himself. He's asking the question, who's my neighbor, to shrink the world down so that he feels good about who he is. So you and I now, like we know, we know that that's not the purpose of the question. The purpose of the question should be, are we sunk? How do we keep from being sunk? Okay, we're receiving this love that God has to give to us and we can return that love back to him and we can share that love with each other. Now we're ready to ask the question with the right heart and the right attitude. And so the question is, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Not so I can justify myself, but so that I can live with this eternal quality of life that God wants to give to me. So that I can live with this eternal quality of life that only comes from loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving my neighbor the way I love myself. Who's my neighbor? And so as people who are trying to maybe figure that out in our lives, who's my neighbor? I love one of the things that Jesus said in the story, and this is in verse 33 there from Luke chapter 10. Jesus says, the Samaritan, as he begins to introduce us to the hero of the story, the Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And, and so as we think about who's my neighbor, every one of us have our, our daily life, our daily patterns, our daily routines, the places that we go. And sometimes it's like the, the ones that we, we, it's the routine ones and sometimes it's special 
and we're out some places that maybe we aren't normally out. And I think this statement, as you travel, as you travel, who do you see? Who do you see? The Samaritans saw the guy who was off on the side of the road, who was in dire need. And, and the question for people like you and me is, who do you see? As you, as you go about your everyday life, as you go about your everyday life, who do you see? Who do you, who do you notice? And, and really, who does your heart go out to? As he saw him, he took pity on him. He was moved with compassion to walk into that guy's situation, circumstances, and love him the way that he loved himself. And so the question as you travel, who do you see? And who does your heart go out to? If you're, if you're trying to figure out and understand who your neighbor is, and, and it doesn't have to be somebody who's in physical distress. It doesn't have to be somebody who's in distress at all that you're aware of. And we all have, we all have physical needs, of course. We also all have spiritual needs. We have emotional needs. We have relational needs. We're all messy in some ways. And so maybe you see people who share your kind of mess. Or maybe you see people who have a mess that maybe somebody helped you and the Lord helped them help you through that mess. Maybe you see somebody who's being oppressed, somebody who's vulnerable. Maybe you see somebody who lives next door to you and you don't know anything about their life, but for some reason, you see them and your heart goes out to them. Who's your neighbor? And in saying all this, to me, when I kind of step back and think about it, it feels, it kind of feels a little bit random, right? How, okay, so I'm just supposed to kind of go about my business and I'm gonna stumble onto my neighbor, like I'm just, I'm gonna see him and take pity and, and, and I'm gonna f- sort of randomly fall into the opportunity to, to love somebody else the same way I love myself. It does, it feels a little random to me as I, as I think about it. But you have to know what may be a little random on our side of things from God's side of things is very intentional. It's very intentional who you encounter in your everyday, who you encounter as you travel, as you go along, who, who, is, who is on the path that you see, it may seem random to you, it may feel random to me, but, but it is not random at all from God's perspective. I wanna show you this. This is, this is Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, as, as we consider who's my neighbor. These, these verses, the Apostle Paul, is he's delivering a sermon, and it's recorded for us in Acts. So the Apostle, he says this, he says, from one man, he's talking about Adam there, our first father. So from one man, God made all the nations, that they would inhabit the whole earth. And God marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And so it's just this sovereignty of God Great big control over it all. Like starting with Adam to the eight billion people who are on our planet today, God, God knows each person and he knows where they are and he knows where they're gonna live and he knows where they're gonna inhabit. Like he knows all that stuff about them and not just knows that, like he, he set that up. And so you were born into time and place that you were born and you live where you live. It feels sort of, maybe you can like, Maybe you've established your footprints or maybe, 
Maybe your company has kind of set some things out for you. It feels like maybe you've directed your path, but God's been over all of that. And so God's been over all these things, and he did this so that the people who live in these various times, in these various places, would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. And so it feels really random to you who, who's on your path as you travel, who you see, who your heart goes out to. It may feel really random to you, but it is not random at all to God. He has, he has established where you live and the path you take so that it intersects with where other people live and the paths they take so that somebody like you who knows him and loves him and has his love in your life flowing out into the lives of the people around you so that somebody like you could come into contact with them. And so it leads us to this question as we're thinking about who's my neighbor. When Paul's teaching this story, he's talking about, hey, there are people, like they are seeking and searching for God and they feel like they're far from him. But the truth of the matter is, God's not far from anybody. They feel like they're far from God, but he is actually close. And so a question for people like you and me to consider as we think through who is my neighbor, who's far from God, but close to me? Who, who do I see, who do, who do I know, who do I encounter that, that they're far from God, like they feel like they're far from God, but they're close to me? Because God's not far from any one of us. And one of the ways that God expresses his nearness to the people who are around you and me is through our closeness to them. If I have his love in my heart, poured out into my heart by his Holy Spirit, if I've got his love in me and I'm saying yes to his love flowing through me and I'm close to them, God expresses his nearness to the people in my path by the love that he pours in and through me. And so as we think about this idea of who is my neighbor, this is a beautiful question. Who's my neighbor? Who do I see? Who's my heart moved to? Who do I know that's far from God but's close to me? And, and, and how can I love them so that they get to experience the love of God in their life? Who's, who's my neighbor? And so this seed of love, this seed of love that God plants into us, it's totally for us. There's, there is, <laughs> there's, there's nothing more important in your life than for you to, to hear, to know, to experience from your heavenly Father that he loves you. That is a rooting, a grounding, a, a solid platform to launch you into everything that comes next, to hear and to know from your heavenly father that he loves you, that this, this seed of his love would be planted in your life. And as he plants this seed of love in your life, as you nurture it and as it begins to grow, what you experience in that is you experience that, that you now, where you were sunk before, you now have the opportunity and the ability to grow in loving him with, with all your being, with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, 
And the way that works itself out is we love our neighbors the way we love ourselves. So the little question for people, God's planting this seed of love in your heart, is who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And, and to let the Lord answer that question for you as you go, to have your heart and your mind open. Who do you see? Who's, who, 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 do your, who does your heart go out to? And who, who do you know who might be far from God, but they're, they're close to you and they could experience God's love for them through you? Who, who's your neighbor? It's a beautiful question. And as we're talking about this, if you're, if you're there and, and, and this is resonating with you, you know, we're talking about these different seeds, seed of faith, seed of hope, seed of love. Next week we'll talk about the seed of generosity, but this, if this seed of love is resonating with you, we wanna help you with that. We wanna help you take a couple next steps in that. And one of them is to opt into our, our text messaging reminder. And this, I'll just tell you, so I've, this is mine. I've got my little um, blue wristband that I'm wearing this year. And um, if you, the, for those of you who are here, if you hit the QR code in front of you, that will take you to where you can opt into this, this seed of love a weekly text reminder. There'll be just a little thought, a little devotional thought or a Bible verse or just a question to ask and to discuss or to think through that just keeps this in front of you because it's easy for this one to kind of slide off to the side for each of these seeds where God plants something in this one. Begin, it's easy for that stuff to slide away. And so we wanna keep this in front of you for you to be able to ask the Lord and ask yourself, who's my neighbor? Who do I see that's, that's far from God but close to me? Who's my neighbor? And, and if you'll opt in on that, you'll get weekly text reminders. And for those of you who are here in the room, um, as you, if you stop on your way out, as you go out these doors and go to your left, there's um, a, little, a little sticker that you can put on a water bottle on the back of your computer, wherever you put a sticker that you would see it on a regular basis. There's a magnet if you wanna put it on a fridge or you know, if you use your dishwasher every day, it'd be a great place to put that thing. Um, you put that somewhere, that, again, that would stay in front of you and then also these little wristbands that just just a reminder, and for me it's been a great reminder because I don't wear a watch, I usually don't have anything on my left hand right here, and I've got something on my left wrist, and I still notice it's there, and it's a regular reminder for me. Of, this, is, this is my seed statement this year, so who's, who's my neighbor, who do I see, who's my heart go out to, who's far from God but close to me, and who can I love with God's kind of love that he has poured out into my heart by his Holy Spirit? And so if, if this is your next step, I, I hope you'll grab those reminders and let us kind of help you as you walk into what God has in front of you because this is, this is eternal life. This is, this is what it's like to live out eternal life, to receive eternal quality of life, to experience it not just in eternity but today, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor the way you love yourself. So I would love to pray this for you. Would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, first of all, thank you for your love, your love for us that you have poured into our hearts by your Holy Spirit, your love for our family, our friends, our neighbors, who, who right now feel far from you, but you, you love them and you wanna pour your love into their lives too. So I'm praying for myself and I'm praying for my friends who are part of this service, that you would give us your eyes for people, that you would give us your heart for people, that your kind of love would be taking root in us and it would be growing as we nurture it and it would be bearing fruit and we would be able to see and to love well the people who, who are far from you but close to us. So we are hanging on to this and Jesus, thank you that this is, this is one of the great ways we experience the life that you give us. 
when we live a Godward and outward life. So we're, we're saying yes to that. And so we thank you. We thank you for calling us to something more and greater than just being satisfied with where we are. Thank you for calling us out of our comfort zones. Thank you for calling us into life that is really life. We pray these things in your name. Amen.